This is Retelling the Bible, a podcast in which I, your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless, retell familiar Bible stories in ways that might help you to hear them as you have never heard them before. The Bible is not a history book, at least not in the modern sense of that word, but it contains many stories based on historical events and with historical settings. The goal of the authors was not merely to recount exactly what happened. They had a far more important job to do. Their job was to convey the truth about God, the world, or themselves that they had experienced. And, as any good storyteller knows, you can never let mere facts get in the way of speaking the truth. Nowhere is this more apparent than in the Gospel of Luke's story of the birth of Jesus. I don't think that the Gospel writer had a lot of details about what actually happened around the birth of his Lord. After all, his account disagrees a fair bit with the story told in the Gospel of Matthew. I set out all of the points of disagreement in my book, Caesar's Census, God's Jubilee, if you would like a full list. But you see, the disagreement was okay as far as Luke was concerned because he had truths about who Jesus was that he wanted to convey. He filled in the details, largely by borrowing from the Old Testament, and told an amazing story that has endured and captured people's imagination down through the centuries. In today's episode, Christmas is finally upon us and we catch up with the young couple after their journey has been completed and their child has been born. Because they have been met with a deplorable lack of hospitality, their newborn child has been laid in a manger. Episode 10, A Name. It is dark, well past midnight, and in the middle of the field where they found the old manger. The small family is huddled near a little fire. Joseph sits and watches the infant sleeping in the manger. It is a boy, just like Mary had assured him that it would be, a tiny little boy who sleeps contentedly for the moment, his stomach full of milk. Up until this point, Joseph has wondered how he would feel about this child. Would he see him as his own, love him like his own? But now that the boy has arrived, now that he has held him in his arms, any doubts that Joseph ever had have simply been swept away. He knows in his heart that this child will be his son in every way that matters. 
he will love him with all his heart. The boy's mother also sleeps, rolled in a blanket nearby, taking advantage of the brief respite from the babe's demands. Joseph, though he has every reason to be exhausted, finds that he is wide awake. It is a beautiful night. The stars blaze down from a moonless, cloudless sky, and he is content to simply marvel at the sight of the child sleeping and to watch his little chest rising and falling underneath the swaddling clothes. Suddenly the babe stirs. He grimaces, and for a moment Joseph fears that he is about to wake. He knows that if the child wails, his mother will wake, and he knows how tired she is. He reaches for the boy. Shalom, he whispers. Peace, child. Let your mother sleep. He picks up the child, paces with him a bit, and is relieved to see him settle back into a contented sleep. But still he whispers over and over again, Shalom. There were some local shepherds who came by earlier this night, telling wild stories of heavenly angels and bright lights and terror in the night. They were very excited, and Joseph understood little of what they said, though Mary nodded and smiled at them as if she knew exactly what they were talking about. But there was one thing that they said that has stayed with Joseph. They spoke about peace, peace on earth, and people of goodwill. They said it was part of the angelic message. Joseph has never thought all that much about peace. He's always seen it as a Roman thing, something that had little to do with him. You see, the Romans are always talking about peace. The Pax Romanum, they call it. They are constantly promising and proclaiming that the very purpose of the empire is to create peace on earth. But when they talk about peace, what they really mean is that once they have defeated all of their enemies, no one will be left who is strong enough to resist whatever they want to do. <laughs> Joseph has always taken such peace for granted. It's one of the facts of life in Galilee. It is the kind of peace that constantly reminds him that there is really nothing that he can do to change the way the world works. He's always had mixed feelings about such peace. He does grudgingly appreciate the stability that Roman rule brings, but he cannot stop wondering about the cost 
that comes with Roman domination. Peace. Sitting here, watching the child sleep and thinking of the strange words of the shepherd, he wonders if there couldn't be another kind of peace, one that doesn't come at the point of a sword, a peace from heaven. He looks back across the field towards the house, which is now dark. Joseph has come a long way to get to set his feet on this little corner of God's earth. The road has certainly not been easy. Why did he do it? Why did he bring Mary on such a perilous path? He had thought that he was coming to find God's jubilee, to find it in a piece of land that once belonged to his family, but what he has found surprises him. He has found his jubilee, but it is not in the land. For some reason, he can sense the presence of jubilee in the boy, a presence so real that it cannot be denied. Somehow, when Joseph looks at this helpless infant, he cannot help but believe that God will remember his people that he will not leave them without hope or salvation. The boy, he now realizes, is the real answer to all of the prayers of so many people that have gone up to God asking for a jubilee. He certainly does not regret having made the journey. It means so much to him that his son has been born in this place. Never in his life has he known what it is like to have land that belongs to him. Now he has given to this boy the smallest taste of it. And suddenly he can no longer look at the whole matter in quite the same way. Like any other descendant of Jacob, Joseph believes that the land is a gift of God to all the families of Israel. The gift came in the ancient days by means of God's servant, Joshua. It came through conquest and battle and violence. That is why Joseph has always assumed that if the land is ever to be reclaimed for the families of Israel, it will have to be through more violence. But the words of the shepherds and the sight of this child of promise sleeping so peacefully have made Joseph think differently about such things. Perhaps what they really need now is not for the old Joshua and his ways to return. Perhaps the need is for a new Joshua who will show a new way. Surprisingly, as far as Joseph is concerned, both he and Mary have individually decided to give their child the same name, despite the fact that it is not a common name in either family. Mary hasn't shared her reasons 
for choosing the name. There are some things about this child that she keeps and ponders only in her own heart, speaking of them to no one. But Joseph has his own reasons for why he thinks that their son should be named Joshua. He had thought that it was because he was looking for the return of the old Joshua and for another war of conquest to take back the land from the Romans and any who support them by force. But now he looks at it differently. He believes that it is time for God to send a different kind of Joshua, one who will restore the land to the families of Israel, but will do it in such a way that they might possess it in true peace. Yes, as a sign of new hope and great possibilities, Joseph has decided that the boy will be named Joshua. He knows it is the right name for this child. In Aramaic, the common speech of the people, it will be Yeshua. Joseph doesn't know this, but in Greek, the language spoken throughout the Eastern Empire, the language of Caesar and all his minions, the child's name will mean the same thing, but it will sound a bit different. In Greek, someday, they will call him Jesus. Here is one thing that we often miss in the Christmas story. That amazing promise that the angels make to the shepherds in their anthem, that promise of peace on earth for people of goodwill, that promise sounded very different to the people who first read this gospel because they had heard that phrase before. Too many times, in fact. It was, in fact, practically a slogan of the empire that had been founded by Caesar Augustus. Augustus was celebrated precisely because he had brought peace on earth. He had done it by bringing almost two generations of civil war that had almost destroyed Rome to an end. Grateful Romans, thankful for an end to years of hostilities, may have heard that imperial promise of peace in one way, but the people that they conquered and whose lands they occupied heard it in another. And when Luke included that promise in his gospel, he certainly didn't mean by it what Caesar Augustus meant by it. Here is something else we easily miss. When we read our English translations of the Bible, the names of important characters are often different in the Old Testament from the New. It is Miriam in the Old Testament, but Mary in the New. It is Judah in the Old and Judas in the New. Most significantly, the name Joshua in the Old Testament becomes Jesus 
in the New Testament. But it wasn't the same for first century Jews or Christians. Aramaic speakers would have used the same name, Yeshua, for both the Old Testament hero and that man from Nazareth. Greek speakers would have used a different name, of course, but would it, it would have still been the same name for both men. In other words, they would have easily seen connections between characters in different parts of the Bible that are all but invisible to us. What else, I wondered, do we miss that was all too obvious for them? That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Next week, we will wind up this first season of the podcast just in time to put a Christmas bow on it. Join us, will you? And bring your friends along. The theme music for this podcast is Ah Da by Kevin MacLeod. The additional music on this episode is It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, also by Kevin MacLeod. Both can be found at incompetech.com and are licensed under the Creative Commons. Merry Christmas to you all.